eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, a Paramount Network podcast. I am Mike Casazza welcoming in Chris Anderson, fresh out of the weekend. Flip the calendar talking football, beefs, roster size, recruiting classes. We're going to talk basketball now. Flashback to last week for a second here. A robust Q&A episode. Great mailbag. One question caught our attention we did not get in the audio version or in your overflow. We're going to focus on it today because it is kind of interesting when you think about what West Virginia has been and what it wants to be. This question here is going to be the focus of our episode. It comes from 8389 grad, Chris. Back to basketball. Based on what you know today, what kind of, quote, pressure defense would you run in order to maximize turnovers and to push the pace of play. He continues, personally, and as much as Hugs likes dropping hints about, quote, press Virginia, I don't think he'll go back, at least not full time. But what do you think? First of all, Chris, welcome in. Second, initial response to that question. It's very provocative. It can go in a number of different directions. Where do you begin? I begin with a question. The press Virginia, and we did a podcast on this, when they, the hashtag was on the Twitter account and we joked that it was most likely not Bob Huggins putting it on there. Uh, somebody else around the program doing that for the Twitter account. Was that always up there? How long had it been up there? Is it someone just screwing around all of the, all, all of that? What is this mass conspiracy around press Virginia, Mike? My understanding is that it had been there, mm-hmm. but not always. Um, but it was there like sometime before, but then for a time it wasn't and it reappeared, but it was there like during the season, but that was not press Virginia last year either. So I'm not sure it matters. Like the thing, the thing is that that was a label that was really good for them on the court and in the public perception for a long, long time. Never really went away. And the fact that you can have this conversation today and say, could it come back? Could press Virginia be press Virginia again? I think that's the staying power of a defense like that and the potential of a defense like that, which has people thinking and has people excited. That's worth something. I think it is too. And I think when you're trying to build an identity, you want to, or rebuild an identity, I guess you you want to have something, some common, some common ground to, to build it upon. And maybe that's what West Virginia is doing. And when they go out and get the players that they got this off season, especially via transfer, it fits. And then people can really start connecting the dots, but then that brings us to the topic of our conversation today with that question. Is it actually going to be Press Virginia this year? 
Let me go to another question from the mailbag, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. This one comes from the big dude. He says, what one thing other than the move to the Big 12 you think has had the biggest impact on WB sports in the last decade? We gave, I thought, quality answers to that. Gave it some thought. Gave our answers some run. One thing that you and I mentioned before we recorded that we did not get to is definitely related to this. Uh, Press Virginia was a thing, like a capital T thing. Um, Then the rules changed. I would say inspired by Javon Carter and Dax Miles and Adrian and John Holton and the way that West Virginia defended, and it made it very hard to press. I think that that's an answer to that question that is very provocative. The rule changes in college basketball, related or not, to that particular team for four years, made it hard for subsequent teams to press. It made it impossible for them to really press. Like They, they wouldn't be able to keep players on the floor anymore if they played the way they did then uh, at this time. I think that's probably a quality answer there, too. Which brings me to this. I just don't know you can do it full time anymore. I just I don't know how you do that. Um, that that to me is the biggest con, the biggest negative when you weigh pros and cons, positives and negatives. Is that um, sure it wreaks havoc, but sometimes it wreaks havoc on you. Which I'm trying to look back. I mean, I've been look. I was looking for it before we hopped on here, but the points of emphasis that they they pass out for referees before each season. What year was it that they uh, essentially killed Press Virginia? Like, I mean, I feel like there was there was one offseason where they went in, right, and it was something, all the things about pressuring and cylinders and reaching in, all that stuff, and hand-checking, uh, just contact, really cutting down on the, on the contact of the game, which, I, you know, I mean, you heard all about it from everybody that wasn't a West Virginia fan about how physical West Virginia was on defense and how it interrupted game flow, all that. And I think maybe maybe that was the term that the NCAA even used was was something to improve game flow and allow more movement on offense. And I mean, I, you know, we're a couple of years removed from that ruling, but that might have been the, the end of Press Virginia or any chance of going back to Press Virginia at that time. I mean, it was it was pretty much right after Miles and Carter graduated. Yeah. Um, and that was, I can tell you that when, I, I, I don't want to get too inside basketball here, but during the Pete Carter, Miles, Adrian Holton years, the memos that were going from opposing coaches to the Big 12 office were just like pulling their hair out. Like, guys, freedom of movement. We're supposed to be freedom of movement. You can't move against this defense. They're not letting us. You're not letting us. And they had to do something, I think, because it, uh, I mean, West Virginia artistically ugly the game up. I mean, I mean, as a compliment, not a negative. That's what they wanted to do, what they had to do. But um, you had teams that had probably superior offensive talent and maybe superior rosters that were getting dragged down to a level they didn't want to be at. And I think when you're looking at the points per game and how they want to have big numbers in the scoreboard and, and scores going back and forth, that wasn't necessarily what the game wanted. So when you have that type of volume of criticism, I mean, volume in multiple terms, the number of people, but also the the fervor with, with which they spoke and complained it was going to be hard to ignore. Um, Bob Huggins on the rules committee probably a couple years too late when you think about the positions of power he's had the last few years. Imagine if he was in the room um, and had the gavel or he was at the top of the chair and they're saying, no, we got to change the press rules. I don't think that the volume or the volume would have been as great if he was in there, if the guy who had been the architect of this defense had had a seat at the table. The timings, everything didn't work out there, but I just think it's really hard to do it now. It's good in spurts. But you don't want guys fouling on. You want to be giving free throws to other teams. And, and West Virginia, even without the press, has put teams on the foul line and put players in foul trouble at a pretty 
pretty alarming rate at times the past few years. So based off our early comments here, Press Virginia is not coming back. Be surprised. Let me. I want, here's an anecdote. When I when I was in school, Chris, I went to grad school many years after college, and it was online. And we had like this forum question one time. They they're like, "What is a brand?" And it went, you know, kind of down a thread of comments. And someone asked me to follow up my mind. The professor asked me to follow up my mind. I had said something along the lines of like, "You know, it's it's what people think you are." And that person was like, "What do you mean by that?" Interesting. Go along. Your brand is, and I've written this a bunch of years, so if I'm repeating myself, I apologize, but that's how proud I am of this academic achievement of mine. Your brand is not what you tell people you are. You can say you're Press Virginia. Your brand is what people think of you. So just think about Press Virginia. People hated it when they played against it. People who rooted for the team loved it. But that that pressure defense became what West Virginia was known for. Here we are so many years later where they haven't really pressed, and you still hear Press Virginia because they still think this is a pressure defense. Maybe they don't press you for 94 feet, but they can get on your toes they can trap you. They can swarm you. They can take the ball away. They can make your offense turn into like just a seven second possession because you spent most of that time just trying to get the ball across half court and then to your point guard or back to your point guard. That's still press Virginia in some sense. So maybe they don't have to full court press, but if they just pressure you, press is short for pressure. There are different ways to do that. That can happen in a zone. That can happen through the length of the court, three quarters of the court, a half of the court, one half of one half of the court. I think if they can apply pressure and become pressure Virginia, which you can abbreviate to press Virginia, and they could be successful again. Now, to your question, how do they do it? Um, I did not play the game in college, so maybe you want to take the floor on this one first. Well, I I touched on it a little bit in the in the written form of the mailbag, and that was essentially getting out and pressing up on guys on the perimeter. And West Virginia has been unable to really do that in recent years, in part because they don't have a Javon Carter. They don't have a Daxter Miles. They don't ha- didn't have somebody that was a guard who could have the footwork to be up. Because obviously, I mean, I feel like this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you are the tighter you are up on your man playing defense, the easier it is for him to get by you. But the trade-off being it's harder for them to shoot from the outside. So if it's a poorer shooter, you slide back, which makes it easier to stay in front of them and not let them get by you, but it gives them an easier shot. And you try to find that balance depending on your uh, you know, your scouting report of that player and, and your own abilities. West Virginia was able to kind of do both, where you could be up on someone and not let them by you because they had Javon Carter and Dexter Miles. That, that, that's hard to come by. And I'm not sure, even with the additions West Virginia made this offseason if they still have that. But I do believe it's better than it was because for whatever Sean McNeil and Taz Sherman are, what they are not is excellent on-ball defenders at keeping their man in front of them. They are not. And and so this is an upgrade in that department with the additions that West Virginia made there. Um, The second part, and it would be my biggest question for this team, because I don't know if they have it. Maybe they do. They've tried. Some of the stats say maybe it is. But who's your Kanate? Who's your guy on the back end that when you do get beat, because you are going to get beat, and, and it happened more often in the full court press because teams were able to break that some of the times because you're taking the risk to try to get the turnovers. You still had sags back there either blocking the shot or forcing the team to say, nope, nope, okay, we got it in the front court. Let's just back it up and start our offense again now. Um, I don't know if West Virginia has that on this team. I, I, I don't think they do currently no one has proven it to me yet 
Um, Waggy, did we agree? Is it Waggy, Waggy, Wag, Wag? Big, Big Mo. Big Mo. He blocked a lot of shots in junior college, but as we've seen with some of the additions in recent years, blocking shots at each level of basketball drastically changes. Blocking shots at junior college is not the same as blocking shots in the NCAA. Blocking shots at Monmouth uh, or Manhattan is not the same as blocking shots at in the Big 12. So you got to prove it at this high level of Big 12 because these guys are a lot more athletic than some of the players you've seen. They make more acrobatic shots. So I would say you press out on the perimeter and try to force them into going by and, and help out on help defense. But I just don't know if West Virginia has – they don't have what they had when it was true press Virginia. But it's better than it was last year. I would hope that the lack of a Sagaba is not what you base your plans on because he was such a unique talent. Correct. That it's hard to replicate. I understand your point completely. Shot blocker by whatever name is what, who and what you want back there. I get it. But you mentioned – Canate's name and so does Huggins by saying that you know they had two of the better perimeter defenders you know the best perimeter defender heck the best college basketball defender in Carter Miles is a very good defender too but they also had Canate back there too where those guys could do their thing you know with super confidence never mind skill because they had Canate um I always thought in the first season or two of the press Virginia defense that Devin Williams was a very viable defender um did not block shots did not play above the rim but he was a brick wall and he built himself around the arc around the basket and he took charges and he was big enough where he could deter a shot and grab the rebound. It's hard to find another Kanate as a compliment to him. It's hard to find another Williams, which is a compliment to him, but it's easier to find a Williams and a Kanate. Can you get that out of Okonkwo, a big Mo, Jimmy Bell, Trey Mitchell? Like they don't have a ton of candidates there, but like you could certainly see Oconquo being able to fly around in that baseline or Mitchell being able to fly around in that baseline. He's not been known for defense, but they're learn. Um, and Bell probably not going to move too far from the basket. So I'm not sure how much of a pressing defense he can be a part of. But if you're looking for something that does pressure and spill people toward the basket, the big body, big body right there that might do something. So so is, wait, so is Big Mo, so is Oconquo, so is Mitchell. But shot blocking, fine. But West Virginia has been successful before in pressure defense situations without having a guy who goes up and swats it. Williams was not that guy, but I always thought he was very good as a defender. Yeah, just because you don't have the pieces to maybe literally be the best defense in the country or close to it doesn't mean it's not better than what you currently are doing or what you did last year because West Virginia did not press up on guards very much the last couple of years, and they still got straight line drive right to the basket. I mean, how many times did we hear the words straight line drive from Bob Huggins over the last couple of years. So just because, again, like you said, just because you don't have Sags, just because you don't have Javon Carter, I mean, those are two like generational type talents in the sense of what we're talking about here. Just because you don't have that doesn't mean it's not the right move. Last year they had shot blockers too. I know Huggins said they didn't get shot blockers, but their block percentage was pretty good. And I mean, like top, Oh, geez, I want to say top 20% of the country for sure, but definitely better than it had been too. And Kerrigan and Polycap were guys that could do it, which leads me to this. They had they had shot blockers last year, didn't pressure. Should we be paying more attention to the perimeter and their capabilities as far as the, the do they, don't they? 
think that's probably the way to go. So now you wonder, all right, Adrian Johnson went healthy. Really good lateral quickness, defensive ability there. Kobe Johnson has the potential, I think, to do it. I need to see more of a guy like Seth Wilson or Jamel Kane to know. We mentioned Oconqua. We mentioned Big Mo. Um, those are guys in the back that are on the roster right now. But then you're getting the guys like Matthews, Stevenson. Tucson has a reputation as kind of like a really pesky defender. Um, there's a way to be big, long, and there's a way to be quick and all over the place with how they go one through four or you know, three guards and a forward, two guards, two forwards there. The combinations, what do you see as possibilities? And then also the combinations, how many directions they can go with their pressure possibilities in half court, in full court. I think you're getting back into more three guard looks for sure, or at least looks that, you know, maybe Stevenson's playing that three, Matthew's playing uh, quote unquote four almost, because then that also gives you not only does it help you stay in front of guys, but then it just, hey, just switch everything almost kind of thing. And, and once you start switching everything like that, it makes it really hard for opposing teams to to drive to the basket. That helps with any kind of lack of lateral quickness um, because you, you can make that quick switch. And that's usually coming off those screens is when those guys are, are making those drives to the basket more often than not. So switching it helps. Three guards will help. And again, when you're adding a guard, another guard, and then another guard to a team that is already returning a couple guards, it makes you think that Bob Huggins is leaning that way, that he wants to get more switchability on defense, and and you're going to see a little bit more three-guard lineups. Let's get into switching, because you can pressure a lot if you can switch. Yeah. You can trap, you can cause trouble and get out of trouble. And I foresee this. Um, I can definitely see... Three guards, Toussaint, Johnson, Stevenson, Matthews at the four, and like Mitchell or Oconquo at the five, in which your one and two can switch. Your two can do the one or the three even. So let's just say Toussaint's your one, Kedrian Johnson's your two. Kedrian could take a point guard, and he's probably big enough to take a small forward. Um, your small forward is Stevenson, or your third guard is Stevenson, who can take a two or a three. Could he flex out to a four? I don't know. But Matthews in a switch, he could take the three. He could probably guard a two. He could definitely take a four. Um, the the key is going to be the five and whether teams hunt the five and try to put him into bad situations. But you certainly feel better about Oconquo, Mitchell. We'll see about Big Mo and, and probably not Jimmy Bell. But explain relative to the, the size, length. Um, uniformity isn't the right word, but you certainly want to be your, your first guy, smallest, as close as possible with the ability to switch as your biggest guy, the one is going to cover the five. I get that. But you think about that final four team. Yeah. Guys, you could guard three, four, heck, five positions. You look at guys like uh, Ebanks or Wellington Smith, even um, I'm not sure that potential exists there, but they could cover up a lot of possibilities with switching. If they had the right players out there. Yeah. Ebanks is about as good of an, ex- I mean, that's, that's like the perfect guy for, for what you're talking about here. I mean, what was he? Six, eight, six, nine. Mm-hmm. And he could literally guard any position on the court. And if you have it, it kind of now, now that team had a lot of guys because John Flowers is six, seven, six, eight. And he was I think at the time he was more of a big and since going professional, he's been playing more perimeter. But he had the ability to to kind of use his length to play defense all over the place. Uh, Butler was six, seven, two, I think something mm-hmm. like that. Six, 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 seven. So you had a bunch of guys. But if you have the one. 
and this is where I'm looking. This is what I'm looking up on this roster, like not right this second, but trying to figure out who it is, who it's going to be, or who it could be. If you have the one, which would be Devin Ebanks in this scenario, that one guy that just could really guard the five and can really do it all, that makes everything else happen. That makes every other switch easy. And again, I don't know if West Virginia has that right now. I mean, I, I'm not sure I'm willing to go that far with Emmett Matthews. I don't think he's big enough for no. like the bigger fours and certainly not fives. Um, Aconquo, we haven't seen enough. I'm not certainly not ready to go there. I mean, I know he's athletic. I know Huggins has talked him up, but I, I don't know if West Virginia has that guy, that 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 Devin Ebanks type that is 6'8", six, 6'9", six, but plays on the perimeter and can defend all five spots. Well, they're not done. Don't forget. I thought I thought we were going to make that like our fifth podcast right there, awesome. talking about the mystery guy. Hey, speaking of replacing Kanate, hard to do. Um, a legend from Bamako, Mali. Don't forget. You know who else is from Bamako, Mali? I do not. Big Mo. Oh, really? Indeed. There it is. Breaking news. West Virginia finds the next Kanate. Uh-huh. Make, now, sure granted, we put, already, make sure we put your name. That, make sure your byline is bold on that one. Now, don't forget they took a front court high school All American from the same high school he went to, so didn't work out perfectly. So maybe we shouldn't make this a uh, comparison, huh? Maybe not. That's all for this time. Until next time. <laughs> I'm Mike Casaza, and I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.